This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 65, with guest Johanna Kaimaya. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dario Sovorova, and welcome to today's episode. My guest today, Johanna K. Meyer, is a multimedia artist who creates immersive experiences. This can take a form of large-scale art installation where she works with video, light, objects, scent, and even sound. She invites the audience to explore deeper questions about identity and the core fundamental values that make us human. David Bowie, Frida Kahlo, Andy Warhol, just a few of the names in her iconic portrait series, where Johanna slips into the shoes of icons like this. As you explore the series, you get to ask yourself, what role do I play? What is my true identity? And what masks people are hiding behind? Today, we speak about Johanna's mission as an artist, which emotions she tries to evoke in people, and how she manages to build financially sustainable life as a creative. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate it on Spotify, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or simply share it with a friend. Dear Johanna, welcome to the studio, and I'm super looking forward to our conversation today. It's season three of the Women Authors of Achievement podcast, and I told everyone that I want to be a bit more experimental this season and have uh, more surprising guests on the show and today you come into play being the artist and you are the first artist I get to interview in the show. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I'm curious to know is how did you get into art? What is the story? Was it a coincidence? Was it your family influence that uh, you grew up in a family of artists or was it simply your calling from the start where you knew at age five that, you know what, I want to be an artist like some kids know that they want to be astronauts? I think I was always a creative person. So um, I grew up in a family yeah, of art, I would say. My mom is a painter and art historian, art teacher. And my father writes books. And I would say I inherited uh, for sure uh, something uh, from them. There was always paper and, and paint and pencils uh, to draw. So for me, it was natural to be creative. And later on, I was um, in my teenager years, I was sure always um trying out either if i sing or play guitar and just fill my time with creative things i grew up without a tv <laughs> there was something that my parents were uh, had the same opinion in i have really the love for beautiful interior design and worlds that um you step in and are maybe artificially created so i found that sculptures or objects sometimes are I don't want to say dead, but after a while, um, you looked at them, you know their shape, and I'm really interested in things that are alive. So what I try in my work is to create landscapes or surroundings where the visitor is part of it and becomes the artwork, I would even say, and then experiences themselves. So this is maybe my main or most important approach mm -hmm. yeah, to mm -hmm. my own art. With your work, what kind of emotions do you usually try to evoke in your audience? I do a lot of different projects. I, I work interdisciplinary. So what I'm most excited about is large-scale installations. For example, the one that I created for Art Basel some years ago was called Breathing Heart. It's a heart installation, 10 by 10 by 4 meters tall. And um, the audience can have a path to this heart and then experience how they step in their own heart and imagine then 
they are in their own body, in their heart, and ask how they feel and confront themselves with their own feelings. So I really wanted to give the opportunity to the audience, to the people, how they feel when there's nothing left anymore, if they forget their name and who they are. And so I asked them to really be open and just experience themselves. So that was very deep. Some people were crying afterwards or really tried to tell me in their feedback how it changed them, this um, experience. So it was quite big location. It was uh, 1,600 square meters and half of it was uh, only the installation. So there was sound outside of the heart. We recorded with six singers an own piece and it was quite meditative, I would say, like a soundscape, very magical. So you step through, it was sand at the floor, you almost step, like, it's like a moon <laughs> landscape or something it's through another environment and it was all red and pink and there were this lung alveoli so we had lamps at the ceiling that were also programmed in this breathing rhythm yeah switching on and off and the heart was also having a heartbeat so it has this deflate and mm -hmm. how do you say it's it's um uh, inflate deflating of the installation itself. yes exactly of the heart object right. and also the red light was pulsing in the heart rhythm so yeah it was that me as an artist, I take this organ that you usually have in your body, that I make it possible for the audience to uh, have an experience uh, that you usually don't mm -hmm. have in, in a space. Okay, so trying to create experiences that people would not necessarily have to make them reflect on something. And you also mentioned that you oftentimes invite the audience to explore deeper questions about identity. That's something that you said is coming up again and again in your projects and uh, also reflection on the core fundamental values that make us human. What were the other projects where you reflected on those um, topics? Yeah, it's several ones. So in general, I really want that the audience become part of the artwork and that they are the artwork kind of. I cannot control what they feel or what they think. I can just inspire them and give them openly a frame. So also... I did another one called The Face Within, where I kind of fall apart live on stage. It was all improvised live. I'm sitting surrounded by eight cameras. They film me live and um, whatever mimic I do with my face, it was uh, face recognition software from Fraunhofer Institute. It changes the video and sound effects of my voice. So the, the video effects in the screens. And that was uh, very deep for me. And the audience was kind of witnessing. And then I built it for a one week um, installation or experience in Munich in a gallery. So the audience could have my seat and sit on stage mm -hmm. and use this installation like a setup. And I gave them quite deep questions, like a self-conversation talk to themselves. Like what is their um, dream? What is freedom and love and questions like this about their life, just deep questions about um, the sense of life. And it was very interesting to see how some just didn't stop talking anymore and they really enjoyed this um, setup. When you see yourself on eight screens around you and live, you mm -hmm. kind of get transparent, maybe yourself. So some told me afterwards that they were not sure even if they were sitting here in this chair or if they were in this screen or on this projection because you are it's kind of a bit of a mirror effect that you yes. see yourself and all those. You lose that connection to your physical self yeah. by seeing so many visual 
perspectives of yourself, I can see that you almost leave your body in a way that can be also a bit of a frightening experience. Whoever, how far you want to be open with it. Yeah, I was really surprised how the audience loved it and how what they said, like one, she kind of came out that she uh, loves women and that she had this husband and that she still loves her ex. And it it was really intimate things that they shared. And there was another woman, she was on a wheelchair and she really wanted to try it out, that installation. And then we helped her to out of her wheelchair. And she said it was the first time that she was sitting alone. It was just a stool, like without a back support or something. And she said it was the first time that she was sitting without that wheelchair alone. And she was, it was a very incredible experience for her to do that. And yeah, I'm really happy for feedbacks, what the audience, what they get out of my installations. And I think this is the most beautiful way. And what also happened with the heart installation that uh, people came again and again to just experience it, or they wanted to have it for themselves. And they were, they came another time. So they had it alone. And it's um, beautiful. That's, like that. that's the best feedback when you see people coming back and returning to, to your art. That means they're in searching for something. And I'm a bit jealous now. I wish I was there to experience it as well. Another project I want to talk about is Iconic Portrait series where you're stepping into the shoes of well-known people like David Bowie, Frida Kahlo, Andy Warhol. What was this project about and how did you come to the idea of, so basically, if I explain it correctly, but you put yourself in the shoes of those famous people by putting a certain clothing, makeup, and particular photo shoot where you would reflect their personalities and who they were, you know, how this idea came to your mind? It all started that people told me I look like Andy Warhol sometimes when <laughs> I had very blonde hair. Yeah, and then one photographer who I met when I stepped, he's actually from New York and we met here in Berlin by coincidence. I stepped out of the hairdresser salon and I had freshly bleached hair and uh, it was so funny to run into him and he's like, wow, you look like Andy Warhol. And he, he said, you, you should do a shoot with him. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And like people already said that. And he didn't have time. And then I just did it myself. So that was the first character I did. So it all started that I first asked lookalikes in my friend circle. So I did another Basquiat. I did Eddie Sedgwick and people in like that. And then I was published. So I already had done uh, Lagerfeld and Bowie then. And FZ magazine, uh, newspaper magazine. They published it and they told me, um, one of the editors, main editors, he said, it's stronger if it's only me. So he didn't want to publish the my other lookalike mm -hmm. friends. And he said, no, just keep it with you. And so that was an advice I followed and I could understand uh, why it's uh, stronger maybe because, yeah, it was very interesting when I exhibited it in Taiwan, for example, and I did an artist residency. And it was funny because people said, oh, you are bringing them together, like all of those different characters, uh, because it's the same person, you as an artist, that it's always like my eyes looking through this uh, mask or facade. And that was very special for them to see them united and in the behind kind of we are all humans, you know. So whatever we want to be, it's a conscious decision in our life what values I choose or what I stand for and what I do with my life, what I leave behind. That was maybe the main question I raised with my first series, Iconic Portraits 1. 
what unites them, I would say, are that they all are free spirits. And those were people who really were able to express themselves artistically in a very own way. And I'm sure they were also fighting for the generations afterwards. So um, it is easier for us nowadays, at least I would say in the country or society I grew up here. I'm very thankful that I'm allowed to express myself freely and I'm not living in a dictatorship or somewhere. So whoever worked before me, all those characters, some of them who I did, yeah, every generation now, I would say, has it a bit easier to express themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and every single person from that portrait, um, iconic portrait one series, you would say made it easier for the next generation. I mean, if you look at Debbie Bowie, Frida Kahlo also, I mean, absolutely one of a kind in what she did and how she approached art and as a uh, woman artist as well. So it does mean that all of them made a mark in history. Yeah, and I think as a human being, you write yourself in history with even, you don't need to be famous or have a big name. It, what counts is really heartful and heartfelt moments uh, with loved ones, I would say, and people who want the best for you and that you treat your environment and surroundings and people you work with and family and dear friends with this appreciation and gratitude that we bring well-being to the world. So I think this is also values that I care for uh, underneath whatever I do. I was about to ask you actually, doing this project, what did you reflect on yourself and what is your true identity and your true self? Yeah, maybe we can go to that. Maybe I first mention my second series, the Iconic Portraits 2, if that's a good point now. Yeah, I ask in my first series mainly, who are you without your identity? So if you leave behind all the roles that you play every day, being a mom, being having your job, being a lover, being, I mean, so many roles that you fulfill. So who are you? What is just maybe the life energy or your power that you feel that um, keeps you breathing. And uh, I mean, it's magical that we are alive. Uh, we don't have to do anything. Our heart is beating and we are breathing without any effort. And to appreciate that or get to remember that, I think is, is important that life is a gift, that we are able to give our best every day in our world. And what a luxury it is that we live in peace right now, at least here. And yeah, but with the, so who are you without your identity? I just want that people confront themselves and ask themselves, maybe also what in the second question, which icon do I want to be? And what do I do with my life? And then in the second series now, I did spiritual goddesses also. I did a few more. I did Einstein, uh, Dali, Chaplin and Mozart, but uh, then I moved over to this, yeah, spiritual personalities and mythical warriors and goddesses and who represent female power, I would say. So it's uh, Joan of Arc, it's the Indian goddess uh, Kali, who stands for death and rebirth and to let go. So she's like cutting with a knife, um, uh, whatever should be uh, split or <laughs> let go. And then I did uh, two versions of Buddha, one with uh, my upper body totally painted uh, gold, uh, nude, and uh, one 
dressed and then another butika she's a celtic warrior and uh, another sacred dancer so those were really interesting for me because um it's a connection between spirituality and art and what i'm really keen on is the connection or the deeper questions about life so really about death and life and uh, about faith and absolute humanity i would say yeah so um that was a work where i wanted to inspire people to step into their power and especially maybe the female power mm-hmm. what was the feedback you've received i didn't exhibit it yet it's very new it's just on tv right now some documentaries i think people really like it uh, especially uh, kali and john of arc are the favorite characters and maybe coming back to the question of you doing the two series how did you look at your own identity has the perception changed or something strengthened as you reflected on yourself i think for myself more and more i realize i would like to really express in issues that are happening nowadays in society or political issues to take a position and and express that with my art and also put my own person more and more in it to have a stronger expression so that is what i realized uh, recently i, I would say mm-hmm. and you've had um, also in one of your interviews you said that you try to make the invisible visible it's an interesting way of maybe also mentioning some of the issues that are happening or certain conversation that should happen but people do not put the right attention at it or they don't necessarily see this as a as a centerpiece of a discussion or or a conversation how do you think going forward you would like to make things that are invisible or what are those things that are invisible you would like to be make them visible to your audience going forward what is currently on your mind maybe one essence that represents me is that my art also has the task of uh, shifting boundaries of consciousness and this can of course be done through emotion and only of those most essential questions about life and humanity and my art is meant to help people to interpret things freely and a tool to reflect on the perceptions of themselves to move them emotionally and it's precisely when the boundaries between real and unreal worlds blur that something special emerges i would say and then art fulfills its purpose of making the invisible visible mm-hmm. and as an artist i'm always struggling between several worlds i could say and the art is not to get lost in them so yeah i'm trying to connect this and one question you know i'm i'm curious about because we talked about the why and the what the purpose of your projects and what projects you worked uh, on but how does the actual process of ideation to realization look like how do you work and what kind of tools you work to create something that's in your mind that's just an idea to actual physical art installation yeah that's the task of an artist maybe to be able to express what should be expressed so what i said was when those worlds meet if i see something what is behind and i want to make it visible 
and I want to express it. Uh, even when you look at the table, you see what was behind. I mean, behind there always had to be a thought. Somebody wanted to create it. So it, it's spiritual somehow. It's uh, We are spiritual beings who have this <laughs> experience here on earth, but it's not only what you see that is real. So how I start is either I have a thought that I see something that I would like to express, for example, with the face within, I really wanted to express, make feelings and thoughts visible. And how I did it, I kind of set up security camera system or that you get live recorded and be seen. And then it was an experiment to really go through those feelings on stage. And there I chose video projections and sound to, and the video projections were kind of uh, the witnessing of what is happening in every second. Mm -hmm. Every project is different. Um, I work with many different media and I find it a strength to be able to combine it. So in general, I'm interested to create an environment that was not there before, a world where people step in and find themselves around it where they maybe cannot find in the real world. So whatever it means to bring that alive, I'm sketching out, I do drawings, I create a storyboard for the animations. So usually I try first to make a simulation or bring it alive um, on paper, then in 3D programs, um, make a little animation that shows what I want to do. And then I reach out to sponsors or to other architects or uh, freelancers, people, engineers who can help me produce this piece of art. So each one is is different, but- uh, That's interesting. So you also collaborate or- uh, Oh yeah, a lot, yes. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, so the heart was produced in China, actually, and uh, brought over here. I worked with an architect together. So in a way, I like this. Uh, there is there is the artist, but then there's ways to collaborate. And I think that's something that people might not know, uh, that there's a lot of pieces that come into play. And I think that's also the genius part of understanding, okay, what kind of resources, what kind of talent I need to bring this vision into reality and I think that's so fascinating about the process at least I get really excited by seeing something non-existent and making it a reality and exactly fitting the image you had in your head and that process and knowing who needs to fulfill which role to make that reality I find fascinating because there's a, definitely an art to the process in a way. I usually also work with sound so there will be musicians either that I record or I ask them to record um, just their instrument and then another um, music producer mixes it or composes it. Uh, for the hard installation, I worked with a great music collective, Kling Klang Klong, for example, and a composer. And uh, we recorded this with six singers. So, And in the heart, the sound was traveling. So it was an eight-channel installation where the speakers were set up and mm -hmm. um, you really feel like, yeah, the, the sound traveling. And then outside was this overall 360 degree sound and also I had a uh, scent in the heart with uh, Cecil Tola she was the scent uh, artist what kind of scent was that I would say it was a very uplifting or free and clear um, it was uh, quite positive and I love to bring different senses I mean to touch in an art installation all mm -hmm. kind of senses of the audience beautiful one question I was had in my mind already for some time is you're an established artist and you've been into the scene for many years. And what I was curious to understand is what your perspective on the topic of financial independence and is this, what role does that play in your life? 
do you as an artist think about finances? Yeah, of course, all the time. I mean, I'm confronted with the production budget and I really, if there's uh, no money, there will be no project. Uh, very easy to understand. So it's in my responsibility if I want to bring something alive to create it. And of course, there's not somebody who just gives me money and takes me at the hand and tells me to create beautiful things. So if I'm not actively standing up saying who I am and what I want to do, yeah, nothing will happen. It's a lot of work is uh, fundraising and um, working on the budget. I mean, uh, do sponsorships with brands and people who like to support it. How do you sustain your living? Well, I sell my art. So I'm selling editions of my prints, uh, the photography and also videos. So in art, that's maybe there are different models what you can do. So one is maybe the sponsorships with private people and brands uh, who really give you money to bring something alive for a beautiful project they stand behind and they love to have realized. And the other one is for everyone who could just, uh, who just wants your art at the wall, maybe for uh, starting lower until, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, like, yeah. And, the do price you, range, yeah. And, and if you reflect back and today, like, do you feel comfortable living your life, like, depending on the sale of your art, but also on the projects, do you feel sometimes it's too big of a risk or that's part of something that keeps you excited that you get to work on what you love, like to have a every day to be surrounded by work around what you've dreamt about, which is creating art and being an artist and you don't mind taking the risk that comes with it. It's interesting how you ask me because I never have this question and I never think It, there's any risk in my life that I'm taking every day and I'm not sure if maybe I just don't see it or if it doesn't exist. I also teach at three universities so I don't know what would be the worst that could happen so it, I just cannot think it uh, through if what you ask so I, I don't know what would have been the biggest risk financially or something what could happen that it would not continue because I will always be safe and I'm not starving here in Germany, I will always be able to pay my rent with uh, my work, what I'm doing, because I'm right now I'm, I'm teaching and I'm always selling my, my art. So that is all working fine. And I also have a team. So I have two full-time assistants and um, other freelancers that we work together with. So this is a setup that is a, like a base or quite beautiful. And I'm very thankful for this. And I try more and more to focus uh, as much as I can on my project. And I'm working a lot. It is years, years long of work that is uh, right now there, for example, on four TV channels, you can see documentaries about my work and, and different features. And it doesn't come just by accident. It is years long work and continuous work. I always believed in, I, it's always my most important thing that exists in my life, my work. I don't even call it work, it's my life. And people don't understand often, or my friends, why I'm always keen on putting so much energy and hours in this. For me, it's natural. And um, I don't want to go to see a movie or relax. It's more 
rewarding for me to see that I finished a project. So mm -hmm. something like this. Yeah, and I've seen you working um, up until 10, 11 p.m. Is usually you're the last person that leaves the this co-working <laughs> place. Yeah. And given that you're so successful, you're not just taking it for granted. You're continuing to put as much or even more effort. So you're a very hardworking person. Do you think the hardworking part was the essential in your success, in your stability today? I think, I don't believe you need to work hard to be successful but in my case i just need the stuff to get done so i don't know if others do it maybe you can be very smart or you can create other situations where you can create it differently but uh, in my case that's how i experience it um, it's just it's a lot of organizing it's uh, a lot of project management and i wish i could be more creative i wish i had more time to really create beautiful art and um, new ideas, but often kind of I'm breaking down on the organizing part, something like this. I'm very good in project management. That's why um, it also became so big sometimes. And it feels complete for me when it's a bigger project. So I'm not just thinking it or, or wanting it that it's big. It's just natural that it feels complete and mm -hmm. right or authentic when different all the senses are like fulfilled and touched with in in a artwork so, something like this and i want that people have this experience so that was interesting for me to find out what would be your advice to then someone who is either young and upcoming artist or creator or entrepreneur i think it's very easy actually and you just need to make sure that you have a regular income whatever it is that you sell or that you do and that you can count on. So what could that be? In my case, as I said, I'm in, it is uh, the teaching and I also got some art grants last year, for example, which made it possible that I did new projects. And so I'm always surprised that it's continuing and maybe things come up that you didn't even plan on or think about or think of and persons or companies contact you then. So I think just first is you need to uh, organize the base that you can pay your living. And if you have that, you're totally free. And I think we are at least here where I live. What I see, it's doable. It's not super hard. You just need to maybe make a plan or write down your expenses, know what's the amount that you need to be fine to cover that and see what would be okay for you that you do to cover that. But for me, it gives me a lot of freedom. I don't need to work super hard to do that. I just really try to use my time wisely and as best as I can to not waste my energy or get distracted. So really know what you want to have a focus and um, know what you want to do. So I was surprised how positively um, things find me then if if you maybe, I don't know, if you say you allow it, but it just needs your mindset to set up this um, structure first. Yeah, I, I think um, you have a lot of freedom. Uh, you have, it's possible to not have such high expenses and mm. have maybe if you're able to work a few days or say you would come up with a plan that allow you to work two days a week and the rest of the week is for yourself for for your projects like something like that you wow, know that's a dream for many <laughs> yeah but it's it's easy to set up i would say i like it i love how i think you're a very confident person 
That's what I feel. And mm -hmm. I, I really, I really like it. And what you mentioned, being very focused, but also being very particular about things you do, as you said. And then you invite certain events, certain geeks that come your way because you're so dedicated and loyal to the work you do. Things come your way. I almost feel this is like a mantra that one should have if they decide to work for their own projects, work for themselves to make it sustainable, mm -hmm. to have this mindset. I think sometimes you need to stand up and really say it, what you, you need to claim it. Also for the heart installation, often I was not knowing where my journey goes, if I'm able to find this money for the production. And it was like me sticking uh, with a needle in the universe, like trying to find where it will continue. And I will not know. I mean, if I have a goal and a vision, I can imagine it. So I was always imagining the heart in this building that it was pulsing and I had this object built. And that was my dream. That was my vision and what kept me alive. And it was so much hard work. It was really, sometimes I only slept a few hours, maybe two hours or so. I did a crowdfunding. I did reach out to my network with newsletters um, that they could donate and reach, I yeah, ask uh, 400 companies. 400? Yeah. So I tried to create this money and um, ask for sponsorship. Yeah. And you I, ask 400 companies for sponsorship. Yes, correct. You're wow. To get 12 sponsors yeah. at the end, five yeah, main sponsors. This is fascinating. You ask 400 companies. And I mean, that's that shows this persistence and, and dedication. 400 companies from 12, you get uh, the sponsorship. Yes. You know, I would say most of people would maybe ask 20 because 400 is outrageous. If I have a bigger project like this, I usually start, I work with Excel sheets. So I just make a big list of everything I need, all the materials. I also needed cars for the team. I need um, whatever. Uh, you also need food, uh, catering and everything. So then I, I make a list of companies who do that, who provide this. So all the car companies, all if I need technical, if I need cameras, uh, speakers, whatever. And then I make a presentation of the project. As I said, a simulation, like little videos. So they 100% know what is happening. I also made a video of the location so they know, okay, there will be the opening, the event, here's the exhibition, people walk, step in their own heart, and this is what I want that they feel. Mm -hmm. And then almost that it already happened, that I create this project that they know they just need to say yes to it if they like it or not. And what I really like is then to create a win-win situation. So what I give with my work, how can I make the other company or brand even contribute and look better, like strengthen them. So I am trying to find collaboration that is good for them and they are interested because it's much better if they have also the consciousness or the that they understand what I'm doing and that we both together are interested in the success of the project. So you know when you found this person or even on the phone, through the phone, you feel the interest or the warmth. So sometimes I knew, oh, that's the right person. Let's make a meeting and let's do it fast or let's really, yeah, nail it down and do it. So yeah, there were still, I think, 30,000 missing. Uh, it was less than two weeks before the opening, but other people connected me to other brands and people and uh, it just all came together so I was when the main production costs were um, covered I knew there's no going back so for me 
I didn't care if part of the money is still missing or not. I had to really just make it happen and, and pull through. And yeah, it needs a lot of time on the phone. Uh, I was sending out presentations. So I also write, I make those presentations individually for the brand so or, or for the person because it was also private persons who were involved. And I think what is the benefit for them and go, step in their mind or in their um, position. So it was a lot of work, yeah, to send out those presentations and follow up. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this, uh, Johanna, because I am, and I you, cannot agree you, more. You will get a lot of no's. A lot of people will not believe in you and it doesn't matter because you know what you want and you just see what is possible. I mean, you don't need to raise a lot of money or to make it so big, see what is possible. I'm also, my aim is not to make a lot of money with it right now. I just want to realize the project. I want to give it to the people. And I think it all comes naturally if I'm able to later, if I will be more known or then sure, things get easier. But right now it's for me, I only focus on the realization of the project. Because, because you have already your, your baseline kind of covered, as you said, you have already your basic income. So this is the, those two hours per week that you say you dedicate to, okay, how do I ensure sustainable living, cover my expenses? And then the other days come for you as an artist to create and work on bigger projects, which might be break even, but not necessarily have a huge income flow for you. But this is for you as a creator to contribute to society, for you to speak up and raise your voice. And as you said, later, it can have a spillover effect. It can bring more interest in your work and, and you will welcome those opportunities, the next opportunities that come in. But for you as an artist, you need to make this happen because that's what you're living for, not just to have this baseline sustainable living, but you want to create a big installation. So you need time for that. You need sponsorships and you need to make it a success. And I think what the most important thing that from what you've said and from what I have captured is that uh, once again, successful projects do not come your way just like that. Nothing lands on your lap. It's hard yes. work where you persistently chase people, you persistently reach out, you persistently make things happen. And only then you can breathe out and say, yes, it was a success. And everyone says probably, wow, you were so lucky how everything came to be. And you're like, well, the luck was maybe 5%. 95% was uh, me writing, calling people nonstop. Yeah. Also, I say with the heart installation, it was maybe 5% creative work and 95% getting the finances together and fundraising. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would love that it's different, but so far it, that's what it is. So when you do your own projects, it is not easy and you have to go through a whole process of maybe fear or inner obstacles, all the stuff that comes up that uh, doubts, things that want to prevent you from getting it because nobody has done it before you and you don't have a path. You don't know where is the right way. And I just want to encourage people to believe in themselves and don't give up and to stand up again and again. That is what really counts. And a lot of successful people got the no many, many times and in their whole life. And it is really up to you that you don't care about whatever the outside world says, that you really believe every day and in yourself, in your dream, in your vision. And this is the power or the strength that you should get out of. For me, I realized afterwards, 
I could endure all this stress and all the sleepless nights and I had a huge responsibility of a big team and when the installation was happening also for example yeah I often woke up sometimes uh, just in sweat or I was it was just so much responsibility sometimes uh, especially when the installation was up or I thought uh, the heart exploded or something had happened or it was all fine always in the end and it was also insured and all safe but always what kept me going was the vision that I wanted to give this experience to the people and find a vision that gives you strength that makes you keep going um, whatever it is whatever engine you're able um, to have then that's a strong wrap-up mm -hmm. I love it before we come to the very last question for today I wanted to ask you about your free diving experience if I read it correctly You have a breath hold of four minutes, 34 seconds. Yeah, true. <laughs> When do you have time for freediving, Johanna? <laughs> I did underwater photography for many years. I bought my first camera and um, I went on and on. So I think I was always naturally drawn to water and a water person. So Would you say it's your element? I could say so. Yeah, I really like it. And then I started, I thought I'd try it out. I was in Thailand once and... Then they were amazed. So on the first day when we were just stopping the time, I was already four minutes eight. And actually at that time I was still smoking, which is not so good. But so they were super amazed by the, they said, wow, people train for years to get that time. And I didn't do anything. I didn't really know the technique yet. I was just imagining I'm an underwater plant and just relaxing in the ocean. And so you put your head down and they did the timing. And then I thought, oh, cool, I'm good in something, let's continue. <laughs> and then I signed up for the championship, for the freediving championship here and was the best in Berlin. So that was, that was super fun. I learned, you learn to lower your heart rate, uh, you meditate. I thought I'm the only diver who meditates, but when I saw at the competition, everybody at the pool, at the, they were all just sitting down, relaxing before closing their eyes. Is it about meditation or is it about strength of your lungs? And It's meditation. Really? I thought it's, it's the capacity of your lungs. No, my lungs are even smaller than usual people. I went to a lung doctor because I thought, oh, let's check it. And, and uh, what is it that I can hold my breath so long? So they, they said it's even, it's quite small. Hmm. But okay. yeah, it's really how you're able to go to a place in your mind where is silence and nothingness, I would say. And sure, you need to endure. You need to, it's a kind of torture underwater, you could say so, because the urge to breathe is really uncomfortable. It's almost like you want to vomit or something like the here uh, from the breathing at your, um, how do you call throat. it? Yeah, sure. at, at, at your throat. And so there's, I prepared with yoga exercises with empty lungs, full lungs, um, and then you get used to this uncomfortable feeling in your throat. And mainly it is really, for me, I imagined before how far I want to get uh, with my time, kind of. So I knew it is just my imagination if I believe in myself. And also it's kind of mind over body, something like this. You just tell your body you know it's that statistically that your body has three times more oxygen when you have the first urge to breathe. For example, your body wants to breathe, but it is totally fine not to breathe. So you just need to know that you ignore the breathing kind of. It's not natural. It's, yeah, you do something against the natural instinct, instinct. Uh, mm -hmm. that you say, uh, just hold your breath, <laughs> you'll be fine mm -hmm. for how, a while. How does this help you in your everyday life, this technique of meditating and controlling your 
maybe this instincts of breathing, maybe there's other things that you are able to control in your life, certain emotions through meditation. I wish I would do it more right now. Actually, I'm not giving enough time to slow down, I would say, and really breathe and do this. Just maybe to mention the brain, for example, needs 25% oxygen and eyes 10%. So what I did, for example, in the aesthetic, which is one discipline in the freediving, is that I don't even have go to the water with goggles, with glasses. So I, I even take it off and because I don't want to open my eyes and I just turn around. And so I was already swim, laying in the water like a dead man. Then when they do the start point, I just turn around and I'm floating and I'm really trying to be in a very quiet, relaxed space. Yeah, something like that. I do also ice swimming and in general, I I wish I could create my life more consciously. I think we are the creator. We are, I mean, even creators of our own life or? Yes. I think we are much freer than we think and we shouldn't let an expense from, for example, our rent or our monthly expenses not do certain things. So really imagine uh, what do you want to do with your life and how can I make this happen and activate your network and really you are so much more as a human being and you have so much more power than you think to make things happen. When we look at great leaders or persons who stepped up and made a gave a sign, I mean, yeah, there are so many people in history who were role models. That's a great way to say that. So my last question for today is about Women Authors of Achievement. And I wanted to know, Ihana, who do you have on your mind today as your woman role model or inspiring woman that you would say, yes, she's definitely the woman author of achievement? I don't have one woman in mind. I think in general, I really admire people who stand up for humanity, for example, raising money for poverty or for any values like freedom, uh, yeah, woman rights and just truth and peace. So I would love to also stand up with my work for those topics. And I'm inspired, I would say, by people who were able to transform their lives into a peaceful path and overcome their, like, for example, I was reading the book of Tina Turner um, and how she found spirituality. So through Buddhism, she really, and through a daily mantra singing and always cleaning herself she always imagined how she wants to become more pure and better and leave anything behind that uh, is not good for her for me her life for example is amazing example what a single person can do and she was so forgiving i would say uh, whatever happened to her and i i really adore also, Laurie Anderson, maybe, for example, with her, I would say, also connection between spirituality and art and the projects that she created. Yeah. When she worked with prisoners, for example, to make them visible and mm -hmm. things like that. That's uh, two names. Thank you for sharing uh, their names on the show. That's a wrap of our conversation today, Johanna. And I really loved talking to you and having this conversation because I think we, we really delved into this topic a little bit deeper on, on how 
artist lives and how what is the meaning for an artist when they speak about their life and creations. And it's a very interesting perspective because it's not the everyday I get to talk to an artist. And uh, I liked how you challenged me and I love how I got to challenge you a bit. And from there, I think we got to some very central learnings uh, from this episode today in how to be creator of your own life and how to maybe put away fear and put more persistence, confidence, but also this dedication to your work and passion in one's life to invite uh, the right events, to invite the right opportunities um, in your life. And I really love that mindset of ownership of your own life. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And I am definitely making it to your next uh, <laughs> opening. <laughs> so I hope to see you there. And thank you so much. How, do, how can people learn about uh, your next gallery opening or um, an event? It's always on my website and uh, it's my last name.com, kaimaya.com. And on my social media, that is always my full name, Johanna Kaimaya. I will post it on Instagram, Facebook and cool. um, those channels. Yeah, I think I, I really, maybe I can just repeat. Um, I really would like to encourage everyone to stand up for their dream and what they want to achieve and fulfill and see in life and I think if we remember we are not here uh, for eternity, you will die at some point. Think maybe if you are at the edge of dying or in your deathbed, you look back on your life and you imagine what would you regret, what you have not done. Uh, really be aware what you want to do and do that because often what you hear when people are old, uh, that they regret they have not used their chances and it is you can be so thankful you're here now um, with all your talents and strengths and what you got. So really use, it is your time right now and it is it is your task to not miss your chances in life now. So really do it and go through all this hard process. Maybe all the doubts, don't believe in the doubts and it has never done anything good for you. So see them if they come up and then thank you and then do it anyway. <laughs> so just, yeah, don't let anybody talk you out of it. I think often uh, friends or the environment, if you change, they are used to your own old routines. And uh, so be aware of that. Maybe really keep your visions uh, as a treasure and find people who are positively, who, f who feel in a flow and find the uh, contributors, the people who support you in realizing it. And if uh, just really follow your instinct, who you want to collaborate and not, because there are also maybe um, some that are not good for you, but you will learn and you will see it. You, you will find it out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just really keep doing it. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon. <laughs>